Hello, and welcome to the Project Good podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Hilton. Project Good is a social impact podcast interviewing experts and advocates about the pressing problems that we face globally and hearing how they suggest we move forward in the future. The Project Good podcast is brought to you by Project Good Work. The goal of this podcast is to inspire people and organizations to develop a mindset that can move others to positive action regarding the complex social issues facing people and the planet. For November, we're focusing on our Giving Tuesday organization, I Support the Girls. There are currently about 3.9 billion women or girls in the world. Surprisingly, the world's global population is almost equal when it comes to men and women, with men only slightly ahead currently. Women play the critical role of maintaining the global population and the economies of the world by producing the future workforce. Although women hold this important position in society, there are a number of gaps women experience in their daily lives and globally. No other personal need is more basic than the ability to maintain hygiene, but over 22 million women in the United States and millions more abroad cannot afford or lack access to menstrual hygiene products making functioning during menstruation difficult. How can we all help? Well, today I have the pleasure of interviewing Dana Marlowe, who is the founder and executive director at I Support the Girls, a nonprofit that is giving dignity back to women in the U.S. and internationally through donations of bras and menstrual hygiene products. Ms. Marlowe has been on a mission to normalize women's bodily functions in society by helping to take away the taboo of what it means to be a woman biologically. Her organization has helped donate over 7 million products to those in need. Let's get into the interview. Headlines about a tampon shortage started appearing in early summer 2022. The Wall Street Journal reported that 7% of tampons were out of stock nationwide. Across the U.S. in particular, shoppers looking for their preferred brand or any brand at all were greeted with empty store shelves. Along with shortages, prices on both pads and tampons have risen along with the prices of everything else, making it expensive to have a period. Our guest, Dana Marlowe, has become an advocate for women's rights and stands for women through her organization, I Support the Girls, by providing women access to donated bras and menstrual hygiene products. Her story and start of her organization begins when she had to go bra shopping since her size had changed after losing some weight. Once she realized that she would now have a lot of bras at home that were no longer going to be utilized, she asked the store clerk if she knew of anything that she could do. The clerk told her, well, homeless women need bras. That was the start of the light bulb in her mind that led to helping women across the globe. Let's tune into her story now. Dana, you really, 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 really need new bras. And I was floored. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Because what a funny kind of concept. So I stopped right there and went shopping that day um, on my lunch break and got new bras. And while I was in the dressing room getting changed, I asked the lovely sales associate at store I was at for um, what I could do with my perfectly good used bras that no longer fit me. And she told me four words that words that day. And that's kind of changed the course of my life. She said to me in that tiny dressing room, um, while I was getting fitted for obviously the proper size, she said, homeless women need bras. And those four words kind of put me on the journey because um, that very day I realized that 
women experiencing homelessness not only needed bras, but they also needed menstrual hygiene products, uh, pads and tampons, um, as well as other items around hygiene. And I didn't know that. And I'm somebody who, like I shared, I grew up, we grew up donating stuff um, to others uh, pretty regularly as part of our, our family just values. And I didn't know, I never thought about what it must be like to be a person with a period on the streets without access to clean hygiene supplies. And um, I put out a little Facebook post and it kind of caught on like wildfire. And here I am seven years later, um, the organization has exploded in the best way possible. And we have 50 global affiliates from like, I support the girls Dallas to I support the girls Detroit and I support the girls Pakistan to I support the girls Australia and Germany to the Philippines and all over. And we've collectively have donated over 19 million products to over 3,600 vetted social service agencies. So those are nonprofit organizations that focus on refugees, asylees, low-income public schools, um, supporting people um, who have been victims of human trafficking, of sex trafficking, survivors of domestic violence and intimate partner violence, um, and a whole host of other types of nonprofits and organizations that total the 3,600 uh, organizations that we support with new bras and underwear, menstrual hygiene products, and new toiletries, uh, sometimes new makeup, new pajamas, etc. Wow. Um, you know, I think one of the things, uh, sort of like what you brought up that I, uh, like I never even, uh, thought about that because you're thinking about, you know, um, when I think of, uh, homelessness, um, you know, I think of the, the obvious, you know, somebody needs shelter for the night or they need food. That's a, you know, I, I, that's the, the first things that I think of when I think of, you know, um, homeless women, or even, uh, I think of, uh, safety. Um, so, you know, but uh, this, of course, uh, the monthly cycle happens every month, of course. And so it's not something I think that uh, anyone really um, thinks of, but it is a, a critical, um, uh, you know, uh, component to uh, being a woman. And one of the other things that I was uh, highly impressed and I saw with your organization, especially because um, you mentioned that you have an international outreach is another thing that people are probably not thinking of is right now with the war um, between uh, Russia and Ukraine. Um, and we see, um, of course, if people have uh, taken time to look at the pictures, that uh, random things are getting uh, bombed. For instance, you know, a playground gets bombed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm astounded at the things that are getting, uh, you know, taken out because I'm like, how, how is that, uh, you know, associated with the war? And so, of course, um, one of the other things that have um, been affected is uh, food and um, supplies like uh, that we would find at a drugstore. So uh, I don't know if you can um, uh, uh, disclose a little bit of how you're currently helping women um, during the war in uh, Russia and Ukraine. Sure. So when the, the conflict broke out between Russia and Ukraine in early 2022, um, we immediately were called to respond uh, through our disaster relief program. So we do have several programs that we operate. 
Um, one of those programs focuses on disaster relief and response. And we recognize that disasters can take many different forms. Um, and it might be a hurricane, it might be a wildfire, it might be a, a tornado, a tsunami. Um, there, there's a lot of different forms that disasters take and certainly a war is one of them. Um, and so we immediately were called into action because when people were fleeing um, Ukraine and moving into Slovakia and Poland and surrounding countries, oftentimes women and girls are forgotten about during times of disaster. And this was certainly no, um, this was certainly no, not, not, surprising that they were forgotten about in this case as well and and their needs are off, often forgotten about so their needs specifically around like bras and underwear and menstrual hygiene products so we partnered through four organizations that were continuing to support uh, be strong foundation meast in the usa and they're like the ukrainian fedex when they have a u.s office in new jersey uh, St. Andrew's Church, um, which is a Ukrainian church in the greater Washington, D.C. area, and HSE Austin. And um, we were able to coordinate donations and send 200,000 products based on mm -hmm. what those needs are. And we continue to respond as those needs continue because we realized that... Um, we realized that... Um, the the fact is that war doesn't periods don't stop for war periods don't stop for hurricanes and we want to be able to support menstruators in need during these tough times yes and you know i think one of the things um that is hard for people to understand i think it's easy that we all realize that uh you know that women have periods, but um, I think the thing that makes it hard for those um, that don't have periods, mostly men, of course, um, that don't understand about that is why is this, you know, why is this important? Not only, of course, um, for uh, the obvious of, uh, you know, uh, menstrual hy hygiene products, um, uh, but also for bras and underwear. Why, why are these things important and why should everyone care? Sure. So we want to make sure that even folks without periods, um, primarily large percentages um, of men, but not 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 everyone, um, because we re we do recognize that not all women have periods, and not all people who have periods are women. Um, we want to have folks recognize that periods are really just they're not only an important part, but an essential for life, right? All human beings on this planet are here because someone had a period. So for anyone without a period who, are, who re responds with, ooh, this is gross, this doesn't impact me, this doesn't affect me, why should I care? Well, they wouldn't be here if the person who gave birth to them didn't have a period, right? That's just the basic um, biology behind things. And so I think when we break it down like that, people tend to understand um, the, the essential level of, of menstrual care um, because it's not a cute or a luxury experience um, for menstruators. It's really this natural biological function that all folks 
um, with female reproductive parts have. And when we are asking to provide, you know, for free, when people want free and accessible menstrual products, we're not asking for the moon. We just want equal treatment. Um, so we hope that like for non-menstruating people that they understand that having a period is expensive, right? The average box of tampons might be anywhere from seven to $9 in the United States, depending on where one lives. Um, and it could, it's more expensive in the couple dozen states that still have a tax on, um, on tampons, right? There's a luxury tax, a tampon tax, a pink tax. There's all different nomenclature around it. But it puts an even higher significant financial barrier on anyone then who needs those menstrual products and who might be homeless or impoverished. Yes. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, they don't realize the expense of having a period <laughs> and you're paying that expense, you know, um, for every month for, I don't know, um, maybe uh, from 12 to 52, you know, giving, given or take you know, the average time that you have um, your period, it, you know, it, it varies uh, per person. Um, and speaking of that, I know, um, as I mentioned in the introduction, um, there has been a, a shortage of uh, products. So how has this affected your organization? Sure. So um, I guess it was in June of, 22, of 2022 that we... We really started putting pieces together. We collected, I support the girls, a lot of data, um, how many products we are donating out to what organizations, where they are going, when they're being donated. There's a lot that goes into our data tracking as a nonprofit. And we started realizing that we were having significantly less donations of tampons from the individual level to the collection level when an organization might want to do a collection or a drive or a donation to the corporate, the generous corporate donors that we have. And we weren't able to supply tampons to people that were requesting them um, in the quantities that we normally do supply, right? Because as I said, we've donated 19 million products. We donate large quantities to homeless shelters and food pantries and domestic violence shelters and low-income public schools and reservations and all of these places. And our tampon numbers were really, really low uh, compared to the same time last year or two years ago or um, however we wanted to kind of slice and dice the tracking information. So... What we took from there was something was going on, and we wound up actually talking with a reporter at Time Magazine about this because she noticed something was going on. We noticed something was that was going on, um, and she shared the story. And then from there, it like we really wanted to make sure that we were shedding light on this important shortage because we had heard about obviously the very important baby formula shortage or that there was um, a popcorn shortage or a hot, like a spicy sriracha shortage. There's all these different shortages that are impacting different industries. Uh, um, so the tampon shortage is a, a real thing. And a lot of the tampon manufacturers have mentioned that it's a result of these existing supply chain issues. Uh, but for many months, right, when people in early COVID were experiencing no toilet paper, that was like a huge, huge issue. But the fact that there's this national tampon shortage was definitely a lot quieter. Um, 
And so I support the girls has been grateful to receive an influx of uh, maxi pads and period underwear donations. So we've still been able to supply um, tens of thousands of products to folks in need as we wait for tampons to come back to store shelves nationwide. Yes. And, you know, um, one of the things that I, you know, I noticed, obviously, I'm a a woman as well, is that, uh, you know, prices uh, skyrocketed um, um, on, um, you know, both pads and tampons. And of course, you kind of um, didn't have a choice. Whatever was on the shelf was on the shelf. Uh, I live out here in California. um, So uh, usually we have, you know, a big array of different things uh, because I always think, uh, I don't know, I guess it's just me being a Southern California. I feel like we have so many, so many choices over here of um, different things, not only when it comes to uh, periods, but just, just in general. Um, and so I noticed that. And one of the things I think that a lot of people don't understand, I know women understand it uh, or can easily conceptualize it, is about uh, period poverty, just the cost, um, especially uh uh, throughout a lifetime of what women are spending um, between, uh, you know, pads and, and tampons, it's an added expense that a lot of people um, don't understand. Um, so uh, I know your organization, of course, is uh, uh, helping a lot of women um, who uh, deal with that. Um, and so uh, I guess, could you explain a little bit uh, what period poverty is? Yeah, absolutely. So period poverty is when a person cannot easily access menstrual hygiene products due to financial constraints, right? Plain and simple. There's some kind of financial issue and they can't access maxi pads or tampons or period underwear or the products they need, as well as safe and hygienic means of um, keeping themselves clean and managing their their menstrual cycle. Um, And awareness around period poverty definitely has become more mainstream in the last few years, but this issue is ongoing. Um, And I think from a number standpoint, I think it's around like 26% of people are currently menstruating uh, with around 6% of the world's population lacking the ability to safely manage their periods, their menstrual cycles. So that means more than 500 million women, girls, and menstruators worldwide. And here to break it down in the U.S., right, one in nine women is defined as living in poverty. And so the inability to afford um, ample undergarments doesn't have a name, but it can affect one's health. And so, like, you know, even if you don't have access to menstrual products, but on the bra and underwear side, an ill-fitting bra that's the wrong side, you know, size may not provide you with the support you need. It can result in back pain and chest pain. It could poke, you know, poke your skin. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of issues that folks who wear bras understand. Um, and then obviously a lack of clean and properly fitting underwear can lead to urinary tract infections and, and other issues um, from a sanitation perspective. So that's kind of the quick overview of period poverty. Um, what I support the girls does to combat that is partnering with all different local and national and global nonprofits and social service organizations that provide menstrual products and new bras and underwear out to their clients or constituents. And we are happy to support them. So it's one less thing that people have to worry about. 
Yes, and it's uh, extremely important. And um, yeah, a lot of people don't understand an ill-fitting bra can ruin your life. <laughs> totally. Uh, yes. Um, one of the things that I started noticing, of course, with uh, all these things since the start of the pandemic and, you know, and we're in this, uh, you know, here we are in 2022, we thought all of this stuff would be behind us after a, a crazy 2020, but it seems that every year since uh, different things have unfolded. Um, and so one of the the online or uh, ongoing um, themes that I've noticed is it seems that the, the things that are um, you know, having problems with, like we have a childcare problem, we have this, you know, um, uh, menstrual hygiene product shortage, we have, uh, you know, um, the abortion rights. It seems that women are kind of under attack in these last few years. It's, it's you know, um, I've just been noticing a theme that uh, all the things that are, are happening have women attached to them um, significantly. Why do you think this is happening? Um, I think, I think it's a multi-pronged reason. Um, I don't think it's an easy question with an easy answer. Um, but I think that there's a lot of issues to unpack in that question, right? So there's a lot of different mm -hmm. ways I could answer that, right? Women could be seen up being under attack because there continues to be unequal pay for uh, women in the same position as men in the United States. And in order to see more holistic progress in society, women need to be receiving equal pay. Um, from a legality, advocacy, legislation standpoint, right? The, it comes down to, right, obviously we, we know that voting is important um, and that you need to be, you know, for, for those that are able to get out, you know, to vote locally on your local level, whether it's your school board, your community, your city, your state, et cetera, is just as important, if not more important than also national voting. Because part of the issue is the people who are making these laws are not people that identify as women. And that's a really huge issue. It leaves out anybody who doesn't look like them. And if you were to look at our members of Congress in a large photo, you'll notice that it is significantly, a the largest percentage are middle-aged um, Caucasian men. And so we're leaving out a lot of people of color, a lot of people with disabilities, a lot of, of women um, are all missing from that picture to help make decisions about themselves. And so for women, if they're making decisions about women's bodies and they're not a women, woman and they haven't had these experiences and they're not, we're not being listened to, the problem is really amplified on so many levels and platforms. Yes. Um, one of the other things, you know, uh, and it's uh, when I was um, formulating the questions and just kind of thinking about, you know, women in general and what our role is in, uh, you know, society globally and how we are the, uh, you know, producers of, uh, you know, humanity, right? We bring forth life. Um, why? And, you know, and, 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 it's, and this is another heavy question, I know, is you know, how does all of this show how we are uh, valuing women in, in society? Because, you know, we are actually the people who give birth to men. So you would think 
um, you know, if we are the people bringing you life as a man, that you'd have, uh, you know, great appreciation. <laughs> so, um, you know, I guess, oh, why is that not happening? Um, yeah, and I know it's a tough I, one. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that part of the reason it's not happening goes back to the concept of if you can see it, you can be it. And, and what I mean by that, right. Is like, if you as a young girl in the United States want to become a high ranking leader in a member of Congress, it's really helpful if you have other women in your community that are those members of Congress so that if you can see them, you can, you in that role, then you can become them, um, in, you know, as you, as you get older. And so if you can see it, you can be it. And I think that's a really, really important part to answer your question on women's values, how they're seen and valued in society. Um, and I think that whether I support the girls is on the steps of Capitol Hill advocating for women's rights or menstrual rights, or we're having conversations on social media, on TikTok, and talking to a different generation and audience. Um, I think these issues are really, really important because we hear it from so many. Um, and our advocacy is tar like our advocacy is targeted at all different kinds of topics from, as you mentioned, period poverty and menstrual equity and removing this luxury tax or ping tax from all the states within the U.S., um, as well as bringing to light all different intersections that impact women and girls experiencing homelessness, impoverishment or distress. Right. So we do that in a lot of different ways. Um, it's a really big issue that you're calling attention to. And it could be from the fact that we drive around, for example, on what we're doing to kind of combat that is we drive around to raise awareness in a giant um, like Ford Transit van that's wrapped in pink and turquoise and it's called our Vangina. And <laughs> we have a, a giant tampon on one side that says, yes, this van is full of tampons. And on the other side, it has a huge bra that says, you know, I break for bras. And we have a call to action about period poverty uh, on it as well. So that if we're tagged on social media, uh, we donate to um, help a menstruator in need and provide a, a month's worth of products. And so there's lots of ways that we can try to raise awareness on women's issues to normalize the topic. Again, in our lane of women's rights, but specifically on menstruation and period poverty and undergarments um, and inform people about the work we do. So one of the things was last year, we took a road trip in the Vangina um, and hit 22 cities. And so that was really important because we're, we're trying to raise awareness on a lot of different issues that impact women, girls, and menstruators. So that is a little bit, I would say, of my, of my answer. But it's, and it's so much bigger than what I just shared. Yes. No, I know, I knew it was a, it was a, it's a, it's a tough question because I think it has, um, you know, both a, you know, a, a personal, um, you know, I guess I'll say it, a personal values component. 
right? Because, um, you know, it, it depends on how each person is raised and how they see their role as a woman, I believe. And then there's, you know, uh, the the pressures of society. So, uh, yeah, I, I know it's a very um, uh, difficult question. And one of the things that I've noticed about your organization, and of course, it leans to um, all women of, uh, you know, across the, the world, is that, um, you know, I saw that your organization has uh, uh, brought a lot of uh, diverse groups of women together. Um, so I don't know if you'd like to share a little bit of how you have in, um, I guess, uh, um, kind of uh, brought communities together that um, maybe don't interact regularly. Sure, I would say one such way is um, we are so grateful to have this incredible, amazing work done by our I Support the Girls affiliate directors, and we rely on the skills of our phenomenal volunteers in so many unique capacities. And they have all different kinds of backgrounds and day jobs, ranging from stay-at-home moms and teachers and attorneys and doctors and government employees and folks who've retired and grandparents and others who've just, you know, graduated high school or might be in college. And so there's so many different ways that people from different backgrounds come together with I Support the Girls. A lot of them also host events. So whether it's a 5K or a Women's Right March or an industry conference or hosting a barbecue instead of a barbecue <laughs> or Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras parties or um, just bringing so many folks involved into it. Um, our selfless affiliate directors might be like they stay local, collecting locally and donating locally, but they also have global connections to homeless shelters and refugee organizations and food banks and schools. And so they're bringing their community their diverse community together as well. So those are just a couple ways that I feel like I support the girls brings together diverse groups of folks. That's excellent. I, I love um, one of the things that I, I really in, enjoy and I was looking at other interviews that you, you've done. You have such a, you know, uh, uh, I guess, funky personality to come up with things as a, a barbecue. <laughs> and, I love that, and, and I love that you're taking something that is, you know, um, uh, kind of a, a natural occurrence, but also a problem and adding, um, uh, you know, something that uh, is a little bit quirky and fun to it um, to bring people in. And so, you know, when you were starting this organization, I'm sure there were some uh, barriers that you encountered. Um, what was your greatest barrier? Um... I think at the beginning, the greatest barrier is definitely trying to have folks who don't menstruate get on board, which we, we briefly talked about is getting, getting particularly people who identify as men to get on board with this issue, which they, their quick knee jerk reaction is it does not involve them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, and I like how you remind them you wouldn't be here without that. <laughs> That's right, right. If yes. it wasn't it, you, you were you wouldn't be on this planet if the person didn't have a period who gave birth to you. Yes, um, and so um, what would you say is your most significant thing that you've learned uh, since creating your organization? Community, community, community. I think networks and community are so important in order to get things done. Okay, fantastic. 
Um, let's see here. And then if someone um, is uh, homeless or would like to access um, your services, um, what is the easiest way to find out about you? So if somebody needs our products or services, they should check out our website at the letter I support the girls, G-I-R-L-S dot org. And there is a split, a space on our website that has our ash kit program. Um, and they could reach out and apply for products in that capacity. Alternately, they can reach out, let us know where they are. We like to let them know the shelters and the support services that we provide um, products to in their community if we are in their community. All right, fantastic. Um, I guess uh, for, you know, um, of course, not knowing the, the, the future, um, but uh, and I know you're working on so many different um, uh, things and, uh, you know, um, working on women's rights, of course, uh, giving people um, access to uh, products that they need. Um, do you have, uh, I guess, uh, where you're going next, I guess, in your organization? Um, so in October 2020, we launched this Ash Kit program, which is a direct service program for one-time um, requests for um, products that folks might need. And that was our, that was a, one of our big program launches. Uh, we are always staying on the pulse of everything, women's rights and access to hygiene. And um, we are upcoming bringing together all of our affiliates for our next retreat, which will be in Denver, Colorado. Um, and we always learn and listen and learn from each other in that space so that we can figure out what are the needs on the ground and what could we do to, to better have better impact. So there's a lot of listening and learning that we do. Um, you know, one of the one of the things you mentioned, I was spunky, which I love that, but also our organization is quirky. Um, and we find the line of raising awareness and education and doing advocacy work through creative means and channels. And so this summer we launched tampon chapsticks because mm -hmm. anybody can use chapstick um, if you have lips, mm -hmm. if that's something that, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it's shaped, it's shaped in color. It kind of looks like a tampon um, based on our design. And, and so it's not, it's not like, um, earth shattering. It's not going to end poverty or something like that, but boy, does it raise awareness at companies, at parade, at parades, at conferences. Um, so we do a host of different, um, activities and events and creative avenues to kind of break some of these taboos and barriers that exist. And so that's always something we're looking at to do to improve on. Yeah, sounds. I, I like that 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 the chapstick. Um, I, I would love to get like one of those. Those are those are cool. Is there any way that uh, people can purchase those, or they just get them during events? Um, so right now they're not on our sale list. We have. Um, we don't. We we release what we sell from time to time. It's not ongoing because it also requires a fair amount of people power to pack and ship products because some of our products like the tampon chapsticks are customizable at our offices like in order to get that little string so it looks like a tampon those are hot those are cut and hot glued by our staff and volunteers um, okay, wow. and and so mm -hmm. they need to be packaged and then shipped and so 
it's not hard, but we do, we, we will be launching more stuff. We have our, um, we've, I think we're sold out of our menstruation crustacean, which is a pewter metal, like silver colored metal bowl that you can display in a bathroom setting. Um, and it has a lobster on one, on the top, on one side in silver, um, in pewter, I guess. Um, and it says, it has a label. It says, I, I, our logo, I support the girls in the menstruation crustacean. And you can fill it with pads <laughs> and liners and tampons, um, and put it out in the public with a cute little limerick that we have on it, um, to kind of, again, raise awareness in, in the space where you need these products. Um, so that I think got sold out. We have our mascot. Our mascot is a blue footed booby, right? Because of bras and her name is Flo. Uh, and she has a couple shirts. We sell Flo. We also have a plush uterus. We call her the cuterus. Um, <laughs> and, um, just some other stuff, uh, vangina keychains and vangina magnets and pens and, and stuff like that. So, um, but it's not always available for sale, but for folks who wanted to learn more or inquire, they could reach out to us um, via, you know, I support the girls.org or email us at info I N F O at I support the girls.org. Fantastic. Yeah. I love, I, I love all the, uh, the things that are available and the cute um, names and uh, that you've come up with. And so um, uh, I don't want to take much more of your time. So I'm going to go to our last question. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Can you tell me the best story um, your organization has been part of? Um, So I would say the one that's most memorable for me is when I got to meet Crystal. Um, I have the opportunity, I'm blessed to meet a lot of incredible people through I Support the Girls uh, in various modalities. And one day I was delivering um, about a thousand bras and a couple thousand menstrual hygiene products and toiletries to a homeless shelter organization in the Washington, D.C. area. And just how time worked out, I got to privately meet with this woman named Crystal who lives in the DC area like me. And we got to talking and she really, really, really needed some new bras. And I asked her what she was looking for. And so we opened up all the pack, like a lot of the packages of, you know, from the thousand bras, which are a lot of bras, obviously. And she told me her size and she said she really wanted a sports bra um, in her particular size. And I said, sure, no problem. Can I ask, you know, why? And she said, well, a sports bra doesn't cut into me and it provides the support I need if I'm sleeping on the streets, if I'm, if I'm sleeping on benches, if I'm in the train station, if I'm at a shelter. Uh, and it also doubles as a pocketbook. And I asked her how, and she said, well, the extra fabric or cloth that's on the top of a sports bra in the chest area lets, lets her put in her family photo, her identification, any money in a bag that nobody even knows it's there. So it keeps it safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got, you know, we got Crystal several sports bras that day. And she said, you know, she said she asked if she could have another kind of bra. I said, absolutely. And she said, I really would love a red lacy bra. And I said, sure thing, no problem. Um, you know, any reason why, you know, let's find you, you know, your size and let's do it. And she said, well, I always see like on the train station ads or like in the corner shops, you know, where they have all the displays of magazines, there's always these like women in red lacy bras and they look so happy. And I think it would be fun to feel sexy and have that happiness too. 
and nobody has to know it's there because it's underneath all of my layers of shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies and scarves and jackets, but I'll know it's there close to my heart. So it'll make me feel good. So obviously we hooked her up with a couple red lacy bras that day as well. Wow. You know, that, you know, that encompasses kind of everything that you have um, talked about that, you know, the importance of um, you know, undergarments, it's, it's more than, um, you know, I guess I would say what meets the eye. Um, you know, for women, it, obviously, it's uh, providing support, but this uh, story that you've told about Crystal, it also, um, you know, uh, lifts women's spirits in unknown ways um, without everyone having to know that it's like, a, I guess, your, your extra superhero underneath. No, 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 no. We're we're all just out there doing the best we can. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, um, so yes, I, I, I love that story, um, that, uh, you know, that, uh, the difference that, um, you know, uh, bras and underwear can make to women. And of course, uh, learning about how important, uh, menstrual hygiene products are and, um, all the wonderful things that I support the girls is doing. Thank you, Ms. Marlowe, for your time and inspiration. To learn more about Dana Marlowe and I Support the Girls, go to isupportthegirls.org. If you'd like to donate bras or menstrual hygiene products, please send your package by USPS to Attention Dana Marlowe, P.O. Box 2736, Wheaton, Maryland, 20915. Or if you wish to donate at a location, please go to isupportthegirls.org slash get dash involved slash products dash donations for additional details. If you have a passion for an underserved community, a social justice problem, or want to change minds, contact Project Good Work at projectgood.work to start your project of change today. We'd like to send our deepest gratitude to our ongoing supporter, Blair Chapman. Subscribe to our mailing list at projectgood.work slash subscribe to get our episodes and blog articles sent to you each month, plus get a 10% discount on any project you start on projectgood.work. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in to Project Good, where we're focused on what matters.